discipline, the bane of every assistant principal. And closely associated with discipline is the concept of punishment. The student does X, the punishment is Y. There are a couple problems with the way most schools approach discipline. First, the majority of office referrals actually reflect teachers' behaviors or lack of skills, not students. Second, it's only punishment if it decreases the likelihood of repeated behaviors. By definition, if punishment worked, you wouldn't be inundated with referrals. What if instead of focusing on punishment, we focused on justice? Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick Buskey. The goal of this podcast is to help improve life and leadership of assistant principals. This podcast complements APEX, the Assistant Principal Acceleration Program, but you certainly don't need to be an APEX member to find value in the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Gabby Grant, the Executive Director of Mountain Mediation Services, a remarkable organization working with highly vulnerable and stressed youth in the far reaches of my stomping grounds, Western North Carolina. Gabby is here with us today to help us better understand restorative practices. Before we go any further, I want listeners to know that there will be some wonderful support materials on the website at frederickbuskey.com backslash AP podcast. Okay. Hello, Gabby. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited. And as we were chatting before the show, <laughs> you just got back last night from a, a long and, and big trip overseas. And I want you to say just a few words about that. Um, as you also tell us, how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Um, I was actually in Cambodia for about six weeks. Um, I've been working in Cambodia since mm, 2015, uh, working with an organization called Center for Peace and Conflict Studies. And we do a lot of work called a centered around applied conflict transformation. And so we really, it's very similar to restorative practices, which we'll be talking about today. Um, But we really focus on uh, equipping folks who are engaged in active conflict with the tools to navigate um, peacefully with dialogue, mediation, negotiation. And I also teach in a master's and PhD program associated with the center. And that's what I was doing those past six weeks. Wow. And to tell you a little bit about how I got here, um, I was reflecting on this question. It's so hard because there was no plan. I just, (laughs) all these things just kind of found me, I always say. Um, With restorative justice, I really learned about it when I was doing my master's um, in uh, conflict analysis and dispute resolution at UNC Greensboro. Um, My whole background and focus um, as a professional has always been centered in violence prevention. Um, I've always been interested in how do we uh, prevent all different types of violence. We're a pretty um, reactive society, and I was more interested in how we can be more proactive. And so when I learned about restorative practices and restorative justice, I really saw the data. I'm a pretty data-driven person. So when I started really doing a deep dive into how these practices reshape the way we think about justice and punishment, not just in schools, but at society writ large, um, it seemed to be one of the most sustainable practices I'd seen. And when you start implementing these different tools and paradigms, 
recidivism rates just plummet, whether it's in schools with discipline, whether it's in the criminal justice system, it's just the data is so compelling. And then also, I think the other piece, not just the data part of it, but it create, we have start creating a community driven based approach to where we are all proactive members of whatever community that we're in. And I think that's why it works so well in school. And so I've just had different opportunities from my master's to my PhD in conflict analysis and resolution to uh, become a trained restorative justice facilitator. I've got the opportunity to do this work abroad as well through Southeast Asia um, and, and communities and nations that are transitioning out of violence and reconciling. Um, so I've got to do it in many different levels, community, national, international, um, but I always say the toolbox is the same. We just use it in different ways. Great. Well, we're excited to dig into that, that toolbox. Um, you know, this podcast is founded on principles of strategic leadership, and two of those principles are purpose over urgency, which means being proactive, which you just referenced, and then the other is treating problems, not symptoms. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the huge things, right, is we tend to treat symptoms instead of looking at, at root problems. Mm -hmm. We always like to begin with the celebration. So tell me one thing you're celebrating today. Well, as you mentioned, um, I just got back from traveling for about three days straight. So I am very happy to not be on an airplane and very happy to have arrived home safely with pretty stress-free stress travel. <laughs> well, good. We're glad to have you back. So let's begin by giving a basic definition of restorative practices or restorative justice as they apply in schools. So I think um, the easiest way for me to define this is do a restorative versus punitive definition. I think it's the easiest way to really understand. So restorative uh, practices and restorative justice in schools really focus on relationship building, uh, a sense of community, while centering on accountability and um, repairing wrongdoing and harm versus a punitive um, punishment-based system, which really focuses on individualized behavior that's rooted in punishment around shame and judgment. And it's not really focused on future behavior. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you for that. So, um, you know, most pr assistant principals I know are focused, are student focused when handling discipline issues. I mean, they want to help students grow from the experience and generally think do a good job helping students you know, process and reflect. That said, APs face three really significant hurdles to helping offending students grow in, in a transformative way. First is that time is always in short supply. So investing a lot of time into an individual student is daunting. Second, APs generally don't have access to in-depth training on developmental or restorative approaches to discipline. And third, and I think perhaps the biggest challenge in school systems is, is, is that the systems and structures are not designed to develop students through the disciplinary process. The system really is designed to extract student compliance um, through what are perceived to be effective <laughs> punishments. So if APs want to do discipline differently, they need to be able to understand kind of the default system and then either change it or work around it. Mm -hmm. I think this third challenge is the biggest because it goes beyond just the assistant principal. 
So in a school with systems designed around restorative practices, what do those systems look like? So the first part that I want to kind of address with that is one of the biggest kind of starting points is how you define effective. Um, you, when you just said effective punishment, um, is, does effective mean uh, that the behavior stops and then the student is suspended and then, then comes back to the school and then maybe three or four months, everything goes okay, but then the behavior then repeats itself. Um, that's typically not effective. Um, so in terms of thinking about how you define effective, I think would be a good starting point. Um, and schools that are restorative um, typically defined effective as um, students are not recidivating. They're not repeating that behavior that uh, resulted in the punishment um, and that, that students feel safe. I think that's one of the biggest pieces of a restorative school that is um, implementing restorative practices is there is a culture of trust and value that everyone present is a valued member of that community that you have in that school. Therefore, everyone has a voice in what happens to um, them in, in the discipline process. Um, so I think that's really one of the key components of a restorative school. Um, I think also, this is I, a pitfall I see very common when I see schools move to uh, start implementing restorative practices is it becomes so focused on the student interaction and student discipline. Really the first step in uh, understanding and implementing restorative practices and is how you handle conflict yourself as an AP. What are the um, guidelines for handling grievances in the school? If those aren't restorative or shifted to a more restorative mindset, because restorative practices is not just skills and tools, it's a paradigm shift on the way that you think about punishment, justice, the school culture, environment, etc. So if you're not promoting that type of uh, thinking amongst colleagues and then practicing what you preach essentially amongst your colleagues, it's going to get it's going to be very difficult to get buy in from not only teachers and staff, but from students, because it's not going to be authentic. So I think that really restorative schools start from creating restorative practices within the way in which they deal with collegial conflict, and then it transfers out with students' behaviors and discipline. Okay, I love this. And one of the things that people listen to the podcast know is I kind of rail against big change. And so many schools jump on the, the um, restorative justice bandwagon. They say, we're going to do restorative practices. And they do exactly what you just said, is that they focus it all on the students. And, and so we, we kind of cobble systems and structures on to what we already have, but we don't do that transformative mindset ourselves. And, and I think it's easy to overlook that because when we talk about restorative practices, like it, that sounds right. It makes sense. And so we think, oh yeah, let's do that. Not realizing going back to this fundamental thing that I think you just said, which is we have to transform how we, how we even view conflict and how we handle conflict ourselves. And the other thing I try to really do in this podcast is make sure that 
that people walk away from the podcast with something that they can execute. And, and going back to your school assistant principals and saying, we need to do restorative justice and implementing that, that's a huge lift. We don't, you don't have that capacity. Your school doesn't have that capacity. And frankly, we're not going to get the expertise in you in 30 minutes um, that require. But I think what, what I'm hearing, what, what we can help assistant principals take away with today, and what I think I want to focus the rest of the time, is how do you yourself approach conflict? And then maybe what are a couple of things that you really need to be examining within yourself that can start to make that change? The change will begin with you, assistant principals. Um, and that's something that I think maybe we can achieve today. So this is really exciting. Great. I this, So this is something I could talk about all day long. Um, so I'm really excited we are uh, moving this direction because um, I often get called into before schools become, like you said, to do the restorative practice, the first thing they want to know is how to de-escalate conflict. Mm. And I come from a place of, I'm not a therapist, I don't have that background. However, I encourage always the place that I come from in de-escalating conflict is understanding your own activators and doing some self-reflection yourself on what you bring to school every day as an administrator, as a teacher, and your own, what I always call your own emotional backpack that you're bringing to school, um, that will influence the way in which you work with your colleagues, you teach, um, or you're interacting with students. And so I think one of the pieces that makes restorative practice and justice very difficult is it requires an enormous amount of self-reflection on your own part, like you said, how do you engage in conflict? Does conflict make you uncomfortable? What are some of your own activators? So whenever I do these de-escalating conflict trainings, I don't even really get to the de-escalation part until the very last bit of it, because so much of these trainings focus on understanding our own activators. And I do think, like you said, there's so many things going on at schools and APs, teachers, everyone, there's just not enough time. But you can bring in some trainings and they're pretty cheap mostly. You can even get them online on trauma-informed approaches because when you go through that trauma-informed care piece, uh, you really have to do some self-evaluation on what your own trauma is. And moving forward, that influences how you handle conflict. And it gives you that bigger, broader, holistic approach to really engaging with students and your colleagues, et cetera. And there's even a more, more recent um, development on that, which I think is also important. Um, it's healing-centered approaches, and it's a really new kind of way of thinking in schools um, that is a more collective way of understanding trauma and how we can heal, how a school can be a place for healing, et cetera. But um, yeah, it really comes down to the first step and implementing restorative practice is doing some self-examination and self-reflection on yourself, it, having a staff meeting and just having a general conversation on how do you deal with conflict? Are you able to deal with conflict effectively? If not, there's some trainings out there that you could probably get in the school, but just that's the first step in that trust building piece. And trust is such a big part of restorative practice is you start creating that school culture that allows everyone starting amongst the 
administrators, teachers, staff, et cetera, to start having these open conversations. If you want students to have open conversations, you've got to be able to have them amongst yourselves first. Okay. I, I really want to, to move to how we start to build that within the broader school. And, mm -hmm. I, and I think probably a lot of the listeners are going, okay, that's great. What's the next step? We're not going to do the next step. We're going to stay, we're going to stay here and, and hopefully people will yell and scream at me and we'll have you back again and we can do the next step later. But I think we are such in such a hurry all the time. And so I want listeners to, to realize we have to change ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I really want to hear the next steps too, but there's no sense in hearing the next steps if we're not willing to dig in and do that reflection ourselves. So I think that's what I want to think about if we can explore Gabby the, in the rest of this podcast is uh, I'm an AP. I've heard you. I, I, it all makes sense to me. So I'm, I'm a little bit intimidated, but okay, I'll try to do some of this self-reflection. And I think I heard you say it's better to do that, in, not just individually. Um, I'm not going to do it in front of my whole teaching staff yet. I'm not at that comfort level, but maybe my principal and I, mm -hmm we have a pretty good relationship. So I'm excited about this. I'm ready to, to, to do some self-reflection and maybe to, to do this with my principal. What, what should I do? I think so really it's just sitting down having conversations. There is a lot of research that I haven't thought about in a while, so forgive me if I don't get it correctly, but there's a lot of research on conflict styles and so many assessments that you can do online that I think would be a good starting point to have those conversations to figure out what your conflict style is. And that will really give you food for thought on how you could get to those next steps that we're not gonna talk about today. but that will just kind of start that self-reflection process on um, what your conflict style is because so much of that comes from so many external resources, the way discipline was in your own upbringing and your own school, et cetera, et cetera. So just taking some time to reflect and kind of dismantle those pieces of yourself really gives you the knowledge and food for thought to move forward and having that conversation with a principal would, would be fantastic. And then from there, you could start thinking about how to structure and facilitate that with teachers and staff. And I always say to do it small in small bites because this is heavy stuff. Um, that's the other part of restorative justice and practice. Um, it's pretty heavy sometimes and it brings up parts of us that we don't always know are there. Um, so small bites are always better. Um, and so, you know, maybe it looks like something like you plan out for the next month a reflection session once a week with that principal on conflict styles. And then what that means, what does that mean for the school? How does that mean that you go through discipline, et cetera, et cetera. It's not just, it won't be just a one conversation with the principal and then you've got everything worked out and, um, and figured out on, on what to do. Plus, you're not going to have time. You're really not going to have time. <laughs> um, I am not an educator or a, 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 a anything like that, but I am the daughter 
a niece, the stepdaughter, and a cousin of teachers. I'm very aware of how much uh, educators, uh, how much of a load they have to carry every day at school. Right. Which is, and that's why we do this podcast, because probably 90% of the people listening are in the car <laughs> driving to work or driving back from work because you don't have time at your job. Uh, is there a, a conflict styles inventory online that you would suggest that people take? Or do you want to later give me one yeah. the link to it in the podcast? Yeah, I'll, I will look back and reflect. Um, I have a couple of um, professors in my PhD who created some good ones. Um, like I said, I just haven't done this particular uh, work in a while, so I'm not real fresh on right. um, that. But yeah, I think a conflict styles inventory is a really good idea. And I think just doing some basic research and trauma-informed approach just to understand, um, I, I, I um, always talk about this book, The Body Keeps the Score, um, which I think everybody should read, but particularly educators. Um, I think that's a really good resource to understand just the way in which trauma impacts the body, and you could easily relate that with students as well. But as you start this journey of self-reflection, um, I think it's a really good place to start and all the free time people have to read. But um, <laughs> there's tons of podcasts that that author has done. So if you just want a snippet, um, you can definitely look that up and I can I can send you that resource as well. OK, and so we'll put we'll put those we'll put a link to um <clears throat> conflict styles inventory and to body keeps the score, which I think was written a, a while back, but has just really exploded in popularity mm -hmm. with all of the trauma that we're all going through mm -hmm. uh, in these last two years. Okay. Excellent. And <clears throat> so I do, I do my conflict styles inventory, which is what, what can I expect emotionally? What are the kinds of things that that might surface in me that I need to be prepared to, to think about? Well, you might discover you're avoidant. Um, that's the one that is popping up to me in my mind the most. Or, you, you know, um, depending on whatever that is you discover about yourself, it's probably going to give you some insight and also make you probably reflect back on some interactions you've had with students that were like, hmm, now I understand the way in which I handled that. And now that I have this bit of information, maybe I can do it differently next time. And emotionally, it's probably going to, you know, sometimes we have to own some truths about ourselves that are hard, but it's about making ourselves the best leaders we can be. And so I think just being able to take that information and apply it, and especially if you're talking about it with your principal and you're able to have this open discussion, I think you'll typically with these conflict styles inventory, you'll be able to get some tools and resources on if you are certain, if you have certain conflict styles and you want to change them, um, there's a lot of information out there on how to like, I don't want to say change because it implies that some, it's not good or bad. It just is. So it might give you some information on how to steer them in different directions based on your needs. I know when we do leader style, leadership style inventories, we talk about a lot about you've got to default style. And the thing is not to change your style, but to be aware of the strengths of that style, but also to be aware of 
you know, what the weaknesses are. And then I think to be better able to pull on other forms if the situation calls for it. And, and I'm also thinking as, as you talk about this, um, this is great for working with parents Mm. because sometimes I think it's parents that, that can push our buttons more than the kids. Like we know the kids are kids and, and we can handle that. But when parents start coming at us, that's maybe when more of that emotionality um, pops up for assistant principals. So I think this is, um, this is really good. All right. So I keep going back because I want to keep driving this home with, Mm -hmm. with our, administrators that are listening that this is a process. So the conflict styles inventory, and then starting to do some deep reflection, and maybe we'll try to include somewhere in in materials, some of the key questions I think that you can reflect on and and ask yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also learning more about that trauma-informed approach, uh, which may include looking at uh, the body keeps the score, um, which would be good too, because that a lot of people are talking about that book and referencing it, not just in education, but also outside of education circles. So I think that would be, that would be a good thing. Um, and, and then having just starting to have that dialogue with your principal, it doesn't sound like that's that much, but it is a lot because mm-hmm. it takes time to do the inventory. And then you've really got to be thinking about it, approaching your principals and having those dialogues. And, and so the beauty of this is this really is an A to B approach. So just taking the inventory, you're going to learn something about yourself and that's going to provide value. Just having the discussion with your principal is going to help both of you become more reflective mm-hmm. and to grow. So you're getting value every step of the way, as opposed to kind of the big change approach, which is to bring in a trainer and do the whole thing and run all this in. And then everybody's overwhelmed and there isn't necessarily the, the big value. So I love this approach and we're just, I think we're going to not add too much because we just want to keep it simple. So people have something, something to do. I just want to add to that. Not only is it doing everything you just said, but it's really centered in those two core fundamental uh, values of restorative practice, uh, which is trust and relationship, because you're building that trust within yourself, first of all. Um, And then secondly, with your principal and centering on that relationship, because this is not stuff that you typically would share with your boss, probably. So you're building that trust and creating relationship, which then will have ripple effects when you start moving into um, a bigger change mindset. Hmm. And, and so just, I guess, getting into dangerous territory and looking at a, a larger implementation, the way I can see that playing out is, really the adults shifting their practices slowly and having the conversations and, and snippets. And it takes time for people to transform. Um, and it takes, it takes work. Um, so even reflecting back as, as we start to have these conversations, then reflecting back with individual teachers um, and thinking about if we develop the common language of conflict styles. And mm-hmm. so just really slow play. So if, if as an assistant principal, you can get a better understanding in your, of yourself, we've got, you know, schools have about eight, 10, 12 weeks left in the year at this point. If you can take that inventory and start having some conversations with your principal and really becoming more reflective 
and then position yourself in the fall to come back and start having some of those quiet conversations with, with teachers um, and, and spend all next year really working on mindset. Because if we don't shift the mindset, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if we're really, if this makes sense to us and we're committed to doing things differently, then we've got to take the time to build that kind of understanding. It's the only way I've seen restorative practices truly thrive and work in a school um, because it's not authentic. If the transformation doesn't start from within and then spreads out, it's, it's not going to be sustainable. And most importantly, the students are not going to buy in because I think all educators know that they can smell <laughs> the pardon my language, the BS from a mile away. So if you aren't doing that transformation work and then you're expecting them to do it, they're not going to buy into it. Yeah. And I can also think of a situation where if I'm asked as a teacher to lead a restorative practice in my classroom, even if I know technically what that's supposed to look like, I'm going to be scared to do that. And I'm probably not going to be real good at it if I haven't changed and, and to, to really understand restorative practice is probably more than just, you know, these three techniques, it really Mm -hmm. is that mindset. And if I have that mindset, then it's going to be easier for me to take that risk and step out and, and do it in a way that ultimately is beneficial. Exactly. And I really appreciate the way you've reframed this conversation because I was prepared to go in a different, different direction. Um, because so many times we schools approach us in that same way of, we want to do this. We want, give us the plan, give us the procedure. And I constantly have to say, first, we have to talk about how you handle conflict. We have to talk about the work that you have to do within, and it's hard work. Um, it's hard work for anyone to do, but as an educator and all the, all the time and the limitations that you're, that you're, um, undergoing every day, it's difficult. And so it's, you know, that time frame when people always ask me, well, how long will it be till we're fully restorative? I'm like, it's dependent on the work that you do first. Um, but it takes a long time, but once you get there, you're going to see drastic change. Like it's this individual work that you have. That's where the big change comes from. That's where the big change really generates itself from. It's not the the practices and the tools. Those are helpful and great, but that paradigm shift within is where the big change really comes from. Mm. Thank you for that. Um, I have a model that I use about what an organization is, right? So it's a, it's a pyramid. And, and that top point of that pyramid is purpose, what we're, what we're all about. And then the three bases, base corners of the pyramid are the people, the structures, and the resources. This is a really simple version to think about leadership, because what leadership is, is the work of adapting the people, the structures, and the resources to get them in line to achieve the purpose because usually things become out of kilter and there's, they're not aligned. So it's that constant work leadership is, and is change and change is just trying to bring alignment into your organization. And when we started this conversation, well, you heard it in the, in the introduction, I was thinking, focusing on the structures of the pyramid, but you've helped me see 
it's not, that's not the first place. The first place is focusing on the people Mm -hmm. in the pyramid. And then we as people in the organization, when we understand how this aligns with our purpose, then we will drive the change to the structures. Exactly. That is exactly the core kind of fundamental idea of restorative practices. And I mean, if we want to talk even broader sense, um, we create the systems and structures we exist in. So if we want that change to happen, then we have to change ourselves first. Yeah, I love it. And the other thing that I've been having really hard conversations with assistant principals this month on is <clears throat> priorities. And we can walk into every classroom in our school and we can see multiple things that could be better. Right? Teaching super complex and even our, our best teachers have areas where they still will need to grow. And, and with the incredible challenges of the last couple of years, um, no teacher is equipped to deal with, with everything that we're having to deal with. And, and, and so one of the things I've been preaching is if you're not willing to follow up on it, or you don't have the capacity to follow up on whatever you're doing, don't do it because Mm -hmm. to, to suggest to a teacher, Hey, here's, here's something you could do to improve your practice. If you can't follow up on that and help them, then all you did was put pressure on them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so that's what I think what we've just talked about is you can take one of those conflict um, style inventories. It's not going to take you probably a huge amount of time. You can do that. And then you can think about it and then you can follow up on it. Um, And I really encourage people to have accountability partners. Mm -hmm. So maybe have the conversation, ask your principal to listen to this podcast. It's, we're going to be about 30 minutes. So, you know, if they drive into work, ask them to listen to this podcast and see if the two of you want to work through it together and, and just start slow. Um, But this is something you can do that you can follow up on. And that then even if you stop, even if you take the inventory and you do some thinking and then things go sideways again, um, you still are going to be better off. You still will have made progress and have something you'll better understand yourself. Definitely. And the other piece of this too is it's not, doesn't just stop when you walk outside of that school building. This type of work transforms all facets of your life. It's going to transform if you have children, the way in which you parent, it's going to transform the way in which you are and all the relationships in your life. So it's not just, that's the other piece too with restorative practices and why I focus so much on the individual change. It's like a switch is flipped in your head once you get attuned to this paradigm and you get a new lens on the way in which you see everything and all of the relationships in your life and the systems that you exist in. So it, that's why I keep saying like, that's the big change. That's really the big change. All of the other pieces will follow afterwards. And like you said, this is something you could listen to and start. And any bit of information you get from this is going to be helpful. It's going to add some type of self-reflective piece to the puzzle for you. Okay. Wow. This has been great. I'm so so excited. (laughs) I just want to put all the other projects on hold and go (laughs) dig deep into this (laughs) because I like chasing shiny objects. (laughs) 
All right. As we wrap up, I have three questions for you. And the first mm -hmm. one is, what part of your own leadership are you still trying to get better at? Oh, um, I think for me, um, it's owning my experience. I'm, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I still struggle with imposter syndrome sometimes. And so it's really just owning my own experience and understanding I preach that everyone has a voice, but sometimes I don't always recognize that I do too. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's part of it. And also just, um, I think, understanding about meeting people where they're at. I, I am such a big proponent of that. And I feel like I get an opportunity to grow in that as a leader almost every day. So. And if listeners could take just one thing from today's podcast, what would it be? Change starts from within. Mm, okay. That we'll, we'll plaster that one all over. <laughs> Maybe that should be the title of the podcast. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um, okay. And anything else that you want to share? I think the biggest thing I keep saying that the biggest thing, the biggest thing is to remember this is small bites. It sounds extremely overwhelming, but it's small bites. It doesn't have to be done in a day, a month. As you mentioned, you could start the conversation now in small bites, pick it up next school year. And also it never stops. You're always going to be, once that switch gets flipped with this paradigm, you're always going to be wanting to self-reflect and change and grow. And who knows what new models we'll have in six, 10 years from now with new information, but it's small bites. Take it one step at a time, one, one skill, one piece at a time, and that those have ripple effects that you won't probably even know that they'll be so impactful. Excellent. I, let's see, I want to um, remind listeners that there are some support materials that will be on, on the website. You'll have to go to my website for that, frederickbuskey.com backslash AP podcast. And there you'll have access to all the materials that go with this episode, as well as um, past episodes, if you want to go back and look at things there. Uh, is, is there a way that listeners can learn more about your work, Gabby? Um. Yes, right now you can visit our website, mountmediation.org. Um, it is mostly up to date. We are going through some changes, but yeah, a lot of what we do is on that website um, and the work that we're doing in schools. Okay, excellent. So I, I had a couple of questions that I was going to leave people with, and I don't think they really fit anymore given the way our conversation has gone. So I'm just going to pull these in and, and this is to y'all out there, you assistant principals and, and other school leaders. Are, are you afraid of change? Um, I, I think this can be kind of daunting and, and there's a, you know, there's an opportunity opportunity here for you to understand yourself as a leader. And, and that is always going to be a win. So I would really, I think challenge listeners to, take one of the conflict style inventories and, and then sit with it and, and think about it. 
I think I would also challenge you to send this forward, this podcast link to somebody that you would want to do this with that would be an account, accountability partner. If it's a principal, awesome. Maybe your instructional coach, maybe another AP in, a, in, in your school or in your district, or might be really safe to do it with an assistant principal in, a, in another district. And I have some, I have lots of contacts. So if you want to do this with a stranger uh, and you're really brave, um, just send me an email and let me know. Okay. Um, oh, and, and I think at some point, if we have some people jump on and do this, um, please email me and let me know how it's going. And, and I would love to continue to support this work. So if there are people that want to do some of this, and then we want to come on the podcast and we can talk about it some more, um, happy to do that. So yeah, let's see. If you want to email me, you can email me at frederick at frederickbusky.com. Also, while you're on the website, consider subscribing to my daily leadership email, a three-minute read each morning that can help you be more intentional about your leadership each day. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and rate the podcast. This wraps up today's show. Gabby, thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome. Thank you. Great discussion. Good. And I'm Frederick Buskey. I hope you'll join me next time for the Assistant Principal Podcast.